they're witches, but you know that's implied. Got the storytelling, ego swelling, pillow talking, moonlight walking, sea hags. Welcome to the Sea Hags Podcast. I am Chris Jeppa. My name is Katie Norgren, and with us this week, oh boy, guys, oh boy, for our one year anniversary, Yay. we've got the top dog of <laughs> Vancouver Comedy and Podcasting. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Top dog, <laughs> Mr. Graham Clark is here. Hello. Wow. Top dog. Woof. Top do- Woof. <laughs> Woof indeed. Very, very canine sensibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah, know they call say. me the top dog, I guess. Well, with a pinky ring like that, <laughs> nobody's going to question it. Are we going to go right into pinky ring yeah, talk? Yeah, why not? I have this beautiful cocktail ring. It's beautiful. It's it beautiful. is beautiful. Handed down from generations. Yeah, it's a family heirloom. Mm-hmm. I got, got it. it. At the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I got it at uh, my grandfather, Herman and Mueller, whatever the fuck H&M stands for. <laughs> From Le Chateau. Oh, I oh, get wait. it. Yeah, yeah the, the house. house. You got it? I get it. You get the me, old house. Took me a minute. Yeah. Castle? I don't know. Yeah, but Graham needs some bling for just his everyday life. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. to be a little bit more sparkly, so he's going to buy it off me with whatever he's got in his pocket. Yeah, I got my hand on a bill. In my pocket, or whatever it is, <laughs> it's yours. I still That's... feel like even a bill is too much money. It's an well, A&W gift certificate. I don't think is I have any coins. Canadian Tire money? It might be. Ooh. But well. this is, these are the terms you've agreed to. Okay. okay. Whip it All out. Right. It's a 20. Oh, that's too much. That's way too much. No, you know what? That was the deal. That was the deal what was struck. It's too much, No, no, no. That's the deal. I'm a man of my word. Well, why don't you use that to go to uh, the Laugh Gallery four times? Okay. There you go. That sounds like a great idea. Put it right back in Graham's pocket. I will. Uh, Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for my new ring. Thanks for the $20. Bye, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, he was playing us the whole time, this long time. time. Yeah. It was just to get into our sumptuous recording studio and steal whatever knickknacks he could get his grubby little mitts off. This is a beautiful studio. This is really, like, really smartly done. Did you do this yourself? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is very cool. Yeah, myself and my, my fella. And have you described to your listeners what this place looks like? The last few times people have been really into it. Why don't you yeah. tell us what you see, Graham? <laughs> Theater of the mind. Uh, well, it's <laughs> the first thing you notice is that it's uh, you have these like sound bafflers on the roof. Yeah. That are uh, they look like it looks like something that would be in a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Like it's very it's red with floral on it. <laughs> so that was that's the vibe when I came in. It seems like this is like yeah. like you're running a secret Chinese restaurant out of your house. I've got dumplings and I've got opium. Oh, oh my God. Opium. (laughs) Why were opium dens, when you see photos of them, they, they look so... Cool. Yeah, so beautiful. So cool. Yeah. Like, how much do you kind of want to go to an opium den? Right, like a and, lot. And then like a f- like a fair bit. Like a heroin, you know, like a house uh, flop house or whatever. They don't call it a heroin den. Yeah, they they don't have fainting chairs. A heroin and... conservatory. <laughs> it's just all mattresses on the floor. Like, when did when did opium become? Not the classy person's pursuit. Yeah. Can we get back to artisanal opium? Yes, please. And like, please. like smoked out of beautifully carved pipes, like mm. the super long pipe. So yeah. maybe something to do with the smoke and the haze, like 
But, like, you know, it's the people in these beautiful suits and dresses just zonked out, yeah. but sitting on these, you know, ornate furniture. Like, I think it's, like, the, the style of the furniture at the time anyway and the style of the dress at the time. Like, you'd see those same people walking down the street. Yeah, you know, that's Going to the true. dressmaker shop or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, eating. please, could you hurry it up? I have an appointment yeah. at the Opium Den. <laughs> it's very exclusive. Yeah. I plan to be there for the next 16 hours. I have a date with Lady Opium. <laughs> yeah. It does seem, yeah, like not to romanticize an orientalization or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Fair. But, like, it's really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a pretty cool way to do drugs, guys. Mm-hmm. Pretty Pro- good. Probably the best. Probably, probably the, the best, best way. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll never... I don't think doing drugs has ever been as classy, let's say. Almost certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean... I don't know. I wasn't at Studio 54 in the 1970s. Oh. If you have like a little gold spoon that you're just tooting some coke. Still, know putting it up your cool. nose still just freaks me out a little bit and doesn't feel I like it. There's something undignified about having to like snort it up your nose. Whereas if you're just smoking it in a beautiful pipe, right. it's just so like, it's much more passive. But I, I do, you're right about the, the glamorous nature. Cocaine. Yeah. Cocaine. Apparently, like, Jack Nicholson at his house used to have just uh, on his coffee table had this giant bowl, which is now filled with... Werther's Original? Yeah, like M&M's or something. <laughs> He's an old man. Yeah. That's the joke. Chris. Yeah. <laughs> but for real, like, I think it's M&M's now, but it used to be just... Cocaine? Pills. Oh, wow. Just, just gra- Yeah, and... just grab a handful of pills at Nicholson's house. I don't know and... if I could handle a mystery handful of pills. Oh, I mean, I probably not a lot of people could. You know what I mean? You just have to be like, I've been watching that terrible show Lucifer a lot lately, just because it's filmed here. And what? And what Adam is Adam Payton's in an episode? Oh of it. wow, you've sold me. Yeah, that's it's a horrible show, and Adam Payton's in one episode for two seconds. You're like, damn, it's good. Though. I'm locked in for two. Is Every- it good? No, everyone's just really attracted. <laughs> so what? What is it? I it's, assume it's about the devil. Yeah. Yep, it's yeah. a based out on the comic book uh, that is by Mike. Carrie, I think, is the comic yeah, writer. nobody cares. Think, okay, you know what? You're right. Nobody cares. One person cares, and they're really furious. Yeah, they're, they're going to try to email us, and I'm never going to read it. No, they're not going to, because nobody's listening, but that's okay. Uh, no, it's uh, it's based on, like, The Devil in the comic book that was actually written by Neil Gaiman originally, but then it just, like, it was supposed to be this very David Bowie character, and in the uh. show, it's just, like, it's basically Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I figured mm-hmm. out why I can't stop watching it. It's because it's, like, a terrible fake British right. character I used to love. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, an, a continuation of this, like, oh, I'm very bad. I'm also English. <laughs> oh, I'm at a piano. Do you want to touch my bum? You know, like and that he's kind very, of thing. very direct about just I'm like such a dangerous man. Yeah, like I'm literally the devil, and everyone's like, "Oh, you're so silly and charming." He's like, "I'm literally telling you, I'm yeah. the devil, though." And they're just like, mm, "Can we fuck?" And <laughs> it's pretty good. Oh, really? Is he? He's like a sex oh, machine. He's devil. a Lothario. He's a wow. sex machine. Yeah. yeah, it's not a good show, but I don't even remember why I brought it up. But I think it was about drugs. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was about drugs. Mm-hmm. Cool. It was just like they were trying to solve a murder that was in. Cloverdale, because it's, it was it's in like Cloverdale. A, it's like a crime procedural, but the devil is like the side character, and there's like the the brassy cop lady who also used to be like an adult film star. It's basically so Castle, beautiful. but instead of a writer, he's Satan. Okay. That's very good. That's actually exactly That's actually what perfect. the show is. Wow. It's just Castle, but Satan instead of bad crime author. Played by Nathan Fillion, slightly less charming lead. As so, well. so the the supposition in this uh, show is that if Satan were to walk the earth, he would solve crimes. Yep. 
It's Come not on. a good joke. He would be making deals, you well, know? That's, he that's does make deals, yeah, and he runs, this a, cop he runs lady, a nightclub. Mm. She's changing him. Oh, well, there it's we go. It's a little bit of a Beauty and the Beast situation. There's your... There's your oldest time. <laughs> that's your five-season arc right there. Absolutely. It's crap. It's five. trash. <laughs> but I've been watching... Like, even Tessa really likes it. We, she, we don't watch bad shows, usually, but... I'm addicted to it, and there was an episode where it's like a Miley Cyrus type character. She's like a Disney Channel star. There's just a scene where she's just like, <sighs> and she's just like, yeah. So I was, I was thinking about the lack of dignity in it, and how it's yeah. just like it's so ravenous mm-hmm. to snort cocaine. Just like snoot it right up in there. Yeah, it's not. It's not like, oh. This is dead. This is but quite what you lovely. were saying about like a tiny, like a tiny gold spoon. Like a little gold spoon, spoon like the Carrie is... Fisher style from and back yeah, in the day. There were old, uh, like, I can't remember what magazine it was, but they were like this club culture magazine from the 70s and 80s the that paper? would advertise. No. Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't, but they would advertise like Coke accessories. Oh, yeah. And like in the back that you could order by mail. Oh yeah, and it just said like for your cocaine. Yeah, I it was just... totally in Playboy. Like those were in old Playboys. Nice. Oh, was it old? Oh yeah, well they were in oh, everything, wow. but it was in old Playboys. I used to read my dad's old Playboys. And it was like obviously... get a little spoon. Yeah, kit or it was thing. like it was like uh, you know styling products for your pubes and uh, a thing that will lick you and yeah you're like hmm <laughs> what what magazine was this in? Yeah. Again? Uh, but yeah, it totally had like Coke accessories and stuff. Yeah. It's just like, like here's a, here's a silver straw for your little snoot. The silver straw. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or like a particular, like a like a case that looks like if you open it up, it's like the the cube from uh, from Hellraiser, but it's actually cocaine. Mm. You know, it's just it's like a very meaningful box that you open up that has your drugs inside. <laughs> I just I got the voice of the guy from King in the King of the Hill. Cocaine and cocaine accessories. Hank Hill. That's the Hank guy. Hill. Just selling cocaine and cocaine accessories, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> so drugs, don't do them. Yeah. Unless it's really cool. I've definitely heard stories about like when there was actually good cocaine that wasn't cut with bad stuff, and it's like, oh, then it doesn't hurt when you snort it, and it doesn't rot out the inside of your fucking nose, and it just like feels good, and you can have one line of it, and it like lasts the whole night, and the come down is not bad. Wow. And it's just because it's like bad shitty cocaine. So basically legalize all drugs and Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, <laughs> let's control stuff. the quality, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz we're just getting yeah, yeah. garbage. The pure right? shit is apparently great and it doesn't actually like harm you that well, much. Guys, we've solved drug abuse. <laughs> so, pretty well, successful podcast yeah, so, so far. So, what else? What, what else, else is we on got? The dog? What other what other problems? Like we've been doing this a year, we haven't quite solved all of the world's problems, so I guess we're going to have to do more episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, womp womp. So, um, Graham, you are the co-host of Stop Podcasting Yourself, Seamless Transition. Very Great, nice. I say. Yeah. Thank you. I think I've been doing this for a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it but shows. It shows. Thank you so much. So you guys started in, what, 2008? Mm-hmm. So what, like, when did it come out in, in 2008? Like, when did you put out your first episode? Uh, it was a couple weeks ago was our official, like, nine... It was like March 2nd or March 3rd or something. It's very close to my birthday. Hmm. Yeah. I know. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, so that was, you know, would have been the end of February, beginning of March. That's nuts. And yeah. that's, and just like last week, you released uh, episode 468 with Jenny Taves. Yeah. That's bonkers. I know. That's, that's, that's that many weeks has passed since you started. Yeah. And we didn't. Two I... human beings have been born. <laughs> Yeah. In the, well, I mean, way more than that have been born, but like to the two of you. And and uh, <laughs> they, 
Dave and Abby also got married in that time, yeah. and uh, yeah, now they're a whole they're a whole family unit so now. Rude. Yeah, With beautiful children. Oh, I know. Thank uh, you. Yeah, and but you know, I don't know how they do it. Like it's uh, it's insane. It seems like an insane amount of work. And, yeah, but uh, yeah, but a podcast. Yeah, much easier than much babies. easier. <laughs> uh, but we thought we would only do it for you know. I I don't think that we thought we would do it for a whole year, because uh, we were do, we were doing it before. Th- there was this now. There's such a big audience mm-hmm. for podcasts, you know, and like, mm-hmm. uh, but back then there wasn't. So we just thought, well, we'll do. You know, we'll do it and see if if anybody ever listens, and then it just kind of, and it's one of those things. Now we've just done it for nine years. I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you like? Do you want to stop? <laughs> no, it's it no. like well, that's good. It seems like you guys have fun after after all the time. Yeah. 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 I love doing it. Like, I love doing sea hags with you, Chris. Mm-hmm. Aww. Mm. But, like, <laughs> there have been weeks I haven't wanted to do it, but never have I wanted to stop completely. Like, mm-hmm. there are just weeks where I kind of would rather not do the yeah. same thing. And, yeah. You know, but. And I that, can't that's not part doing of it. That is part of it. Pushing like, through a little bit. Yeah, I think I think with anything, right? Oh, like, yeah. uh, there's. It's not automatic that you want to do it and then also like stuff gets in the way right like Like, human babies yeah human babies and uh, you know people you get sick and Mm -hmm. you get you have work and yeah people cancel yeah you leave for uh, people go on vacation so it is like uh, uh, there's all these things that kind of are in the way of doing it Mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah I think it's the doing it in the weeks that you don't really want to do it is the only challenge do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah, totally I do. I haven't had, we haven't had many of those so far. I yeah. mean, we haven't exhausted our group of friends yet to make them come and be on our show, but we started <laughs> branching out a little bit more. Yeah. Like a wrestler. Pretty yeah. cool last week. That and was a good-ass networking, Chris. Thanks, babe. You're it's welcome. scary to branch out, right? Mm-hmm. To ask people to come because it is, it's easier what when it's your friends. And yeah. Or what if they come and they don't get it, they don't like it or whatever, because that'll happen, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and, uh, or the, like you say, people cancel at the last minute and uh, you've done all this uh, effort to get them on the show or whatever. Uh, yeah, but it's good. It's good to branch out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And it's, I wouldn't be lying if I said Stop Podcasting Yourself wasn't a huge inspiration for us. I think I started listening in 2010 or something like mm. that, which is like the first podcast I ever heard of. I know. I was, I was telling Graham in the car that it was the first podcast I ever listened to. Oh, wow. And so it was because of our friend Caitlin Fontana, yeah. who's a very, mm-hmm. very good friend of ours. And she was like, I'm on this thing. And I was like, yeah. well, I miss you. Like, you haven't really been in town, so I want to hear your voice. And I remember walking from the McDonald's up on Cassiar. Yeah walking down and listening to it and just like stopping and like doubled over with laughter at like the bus stop <laughs> just like what the fuck is this? this is so funny these guys are so silly like it was really awesome so from there I just like went back and like started near the beginning oh, and cool. just like listened to the whole archive while I was working night shifts at a homeless shelter <laughs> Oh, and wow. so just like it just kept me going through like the night shifts and then the morning when I was like cleaning and making beds I would be like singing like celebrity crush hat just like <laughs> 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 you know so those things like it really sustained me and then I got to learn about like this whole scene of local comedy that I never knew existed because mm-hmm. I was never really plugged into it yeah and then I'm like wait those weird improv guys that I used to go to school with are like doing really cool funny stuff now and like I now know. I'm gonna go to that show and 
I just like got super into comedy again. So this really city good. is uh, uh, it's this really weird anomaly as far as cities go in terms of how good the comedy scene mm-hmm. is. Like it's it's a, a big city like Toronto or New York or Chicago or whatever. You kind of, it, you you automatically expect that mm-hmm. to just be part of the culture. Woo. <laughs> uh, but uh, here is not we're not as big. A city, but the per capita, the the amount of great comics here mm-hmm. is, it's outrageous. Like people here don't know how good they have it. Yeah, <laughs> and when people they really don't. People tell me because I start I talk about stand up comedy a lot now, mm-hmm. and just oh I was so excited and I saw this amazing show and this person was so funny and blah 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 and they're like oh like. You know, I went to the comedy mix and I didn't really like it. Yeah. And it's like, man, there's like in the back of a Cuban restaurant, your yeah. show. Like, <laughs> yeah. Once a fucking week, you're gonna get some primo stuff. Like, and there's stuff all over the city. Yeah. Every night of the week, sometimes multiple places. Like, if you wanted to go see comedy every night, you'd have to toss a coin and like yeah. choose, right? Like, there's so many. They would cool actually shows. be difficult choices in many cases yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So I and just I think we're really lucky. <laughs> it's too bad because like the uh, club. Comedy is is good, mm-hmm. but it is uh, for a very specific taste. So you know, a lot of people will go to a, a club show and they won't like it because it is a certain type of comedy. Yeah, and then they say something outrageous like, "I don't like comedy," and oh, you're God. like, "It's heartbreaking." What does that even mean? <laughs> I, that's a repulsive thing someone could say to me. It's like, "Oh, I don't like comedy." I'm just like, "We're done here, pretty much." You have I no soul. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's like someone saying they don't like music. Exactly. I mean, yeah. like, I get it if you're not super into it, but to say you don't like it, mm-hmm. like, that's absurd to me. Like, I hate laughter and. Joy. I hate food. <laughs> you know? I just like, want to eat Soylent forever. Yeah, Guaranteed like just, those are the same people who don't oh, like comedy. It's like, you, mm, I just wish I didn't have to think about food. I'm going to drink a goo. <laughs> I'm going to drink nutrient goo. There is, I can see the appeal of drinking Listen a to nutrient white noise. goo. <laughs> I like just sounds. Yeah, I like I'm just sounds. Gonna, I'm just going to be in a float tank. The only thing I like is Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> Is he a float tank guy? Oh, I yeah. He's he's like he's, do do acid and go into a float tank. Like do acid, mm. put DMT put yak butter in your coffee. Don't ever eat a carb. Punch people in the face <laughs> several days a week for your health. Wow, he's he's a he's, he's a, a lot to deal with. He's an eccentric fellow, this he's, Joe Rogan. He's quite a bit to take in. <laughs> Because I've only ever seen his podcast, like if there's a, some controversial guest that mm-hmm. I'll watch on YouTube or whatever. Mm. Uh, so I don't really know anything about Joe Rogan, except that he's like super, he's all muscles. Yeah, he's a he's a beef. Yeah, he's like a huge beef, right? He's a big beef man. <laughs> Thank you. And, beef eater. Yeah, and he, I know that he, uh, whatever, UFC, yeah. I know he's involved in that. Yeah. But I don't really know what, but I, he's like, he does float. I, I, I watch like, I can watch like two minutes at a time because I know this guy from high school. I hope to God he's not listening and that would be weird if he was. Who's super, he named his cat. After Joe Rogan, what did he, he name like, his cat? Rogan. Oh, okay. I thought I thought he named his cat Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, maybe the other cat's name is Joe. I don't know. Like he's a, he's a really cool guy, but he's very like easily influenced by things, and so he's like taken on Joe's vibe. He's like, I'm doing kettlebell swings in the morning. I'm putting butter in my coffee. <laughs> so like, what is this butter in the coffee thing? I don't understand. Um, it's it. something about paleo diet or oh, something boy. like you're not gonna. Oh, you, know, you know how cavemen cavemen put butter in their coffee all the time, right? You know, cavemen go to CrossFit and like roll a big tire up a hill. Oh boy. <laughs> Even Cro- before the wheel was invented, so it was harder. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, well, imagine pushing just a square up the hill. Uh, why would they have squares? They didn't have wheels, but they had squares. Oh, I, I feel uh-oh. like this is an idea in the making. This is a work in progress. It's probably a round rock. You Pretty guys. sure. Graham, is your there entire you understanding of like prehistoric society based on far side cartoons? Not far side, but you know those BC comics? Yes. Yeah, mostly that. Those, okay. Yeah. Like, there'd be a guy riding around on a wheel. Yeah. Yeah. That was the cool guy. <laughs> But, like, isn't Joe Rogan's also into, like, the ayahuasca DMT? Yeah, like... he's, like, a big psycho... psycho he's a big psycho? Uh, no, that's not that's not fair. I don't even really have no. an opinion on but him other like, than he's a lot. Yeah, but, like, yeah. Doing, <laughs> lot. doing the psychedelic stuff to understand... Psychedelic, thank like, you. ...spirituality, but, like, microdosing LSD for, like, increased awesomeness. Like... <laughs> See, now, this is a yeah. term... I, I assume I know what microdosing means, but... Like, taking, taking, taking just a little bit of acid so you're not, like... Fucked, but you're just like a little bit less inhibited, a little bit more thinking abstractly. Like they say that they microdose in Silicon Valley. <laughs> that shows. That shows like Joe Rogan influence. I feel like just that whole no, no, soylent no. vibe. I just, I just mean in the actual like Silicon Valley. Oh, <laughs> like apparently that's a thing where I thought it's you like, meant the TV show. Yeah, like at Google, they would like encourage people to microdose with LSD because then you have like abstract ideas. You can like come up with Jesus like super Christ. cool you know, innovative ways of thinking and ways of doing things and programming and blah. Apparently that's a thing. I don't know if it's true. Wow. Sergey, why don't you take a take a microdose of LSD and then have a quickie in the nap pod and then see oh, what yeah, your brain comes up. Oh, yeah, they have nap pods. I'm really wanna, excited about that They're idea. trying to, like, establish the perfect conditions for maximum creativity. Yeah, they're, which like, I think four is, hour bodying everybody Which something. I think is so interesting for, like, you know, us as creative people that then also have, like, day jobs in the real world and a lot of things to contend with. That maybe the conditions that we try to create when we're trying to write or whatever, it's like it's really hard to like get to that place. But these guys are working in an environment where all the conditions are like perfect, all their every need is like accounted for. There's like food, there's sleeping, there's like everything that you could possibly want, games and whatever to like. Uh, don't so you feel creative. like a part of or I've always felt mm-hmm. a part of the creative process is that opposition. Because, I think so. like, oh, yeah. I, like I think you know the grind is is a part of th- that's what keeps you able to do it, and that's why, uh, you know, you you see a lot of people who have, you know, great success, and then all of a sudden the product is not mm-hmm. it's not as potent as on the way up because they were really grinding it. Yeah. And now they have everything at their disposal, and in some cases that creates you know, this, uh, you know, unimaginable work. And in other cases, like, the work becomes kind of flabby. But I yeah, wonder if yeah. It's, no, absolutely. I wonder if it's a difference, though, between, like, creativity where it's supposed to be an expression of emotion, like, mm-hmm. some kind of writing or music, whereas, like, the creativity that, like, your web design, app design, I don't know what I'm talking about. What do they do down there? They, like, build tech. Drugs. They sell yeah, yeah. drugs. Like, <laughs> they microdose. Their, their stuff is so, like, it's a... It's programming, like, I yeah, they technology call it. and like creating stuff that you've never thought of before. It's not trying to like relate to the human condition. It's trying to make something that like is so out there. But it is, it, it is kind of because you know, like Steve Jobs, uh, who's written about endlessly, mm-hmm. his thing was very much like, how does this relate to the person? Okay. You know, like, mm-hmm. and and I think that's what any company like Google or whatever they want it to be seamless in your life you know and so you but how would you know Mm. what people are doing unless you're out at the 
grocery store or you know waiting for the bus. How do you know mm-hmm. if you're if you're living in this fantasy Willy Wonka land? Yeah. Like, how are you producing anything that <laughs> you know somebody who works at Walmart's gonna need? Yeah, well, how are you gonna know? <laughs> you know, nothing. that's what Ed always says. He's like he's very much a luddite, and he's like, you know what they should do is test the new like updates for the iPhone on jerks like me mm-hmm. that like hate all of this and don't know how to use it and just get so frustrated there's ever a new change. Like, I should be their target demographic of who they're testing this stuff on. Well, it's true, though, because yeah. that's the bulk of the people who are going to use any given, mm-hmm. you know, software or whatever is going to be somebody who uses it as a tool, but it's not their whole mm-hmm. being, right? Mm-hmm. They need it for email or they need it for Facebook or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah. that's that's it. Then they go on with their day. So yeah, it seems weird to me that you would have these people who are like, you know, they, this nap pods. I mean, I'm crazy about the idea of nap pods. <laughs> I really don't understand why as a culture we have nowhere that a person could go and take a nap do you know what I mean? Like, like I siesta culture. Wasn't there something that Spain was trying to get rid of the siesta? And that was, like, such a tragedy? <laughs> yeah, well, they definitely didn't, because yeah. when I was there two years ago, I was in Spain. Oh! Spain. Were you but running with the bulls? España. No, I went to Barcelona. Oh, Barcelona. Not Pamplona. Oh, no. <laughs> I fucking am such a dick. <laughs> uh, no, I just went to visit my sister-in-law, because she was living there for a while. Um, and, uh, number one. That city's so not accessible. If you can't walk, fuck you, basically. Oh, really? It's all yeah, cars? it's like everything. No, no, no. Everything is, is stairs, and they're this narrow, right? Like, this. Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's very difficult. Um, but uh, the other thing about it was that everything just shuts down between, like, one mm-hmm. and four. Yeah. But, that like... That's seems... so civilized. <laughs> it is so... But, like, in uh, Tokyo, I've, I've been told, I haven't been to Tokyo, but that there are... You, you can pay and go in these... Capsule but, hotels. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, sometimes you're downtown, you're working, and you've got this block of time mm-hmm. before the next thing, but it's not enough to go home. Right. Mm-hmm. So why can't, in a modern society, in 2017, why can't I go into a place and for four bucks just go have a nap for half an hour? I don't know why you can't right? have that. That's not why fair. Why can't I have that? It Come seems... on, Gregor Robertson. Seems Get it together. Great. Yeah. It seems like something like... Somebody who was writing about the future in the 60s would have imagined, oh, of course we'll have that. Mm-hmm. You'd just be able to Actually. get into a pod and sleep and feel refreshed and we're still not there I'd yet. I'd like it if it like filled the whole thing with like ether or something like that so I could oh, actually take yeah. a nap. Because I'm terrible. You can nap? I'm a very bad sleeper. How about you? Nap? Oh, yeah. She's yeah. so good at sleeping. <laughs> I hate you. I don't. I love you. I'm not a good sleeper either, but no. I can nap. I can, I can get... You, you look like you could probably take a good nap. Yeah, You look yeah. like you could put that hat just down on your face and just, like, interlace them fingers and just... But <laughs> sleeping at night, it's a horror show. No, I can't it's do garbage. It. Yeah, it is garbage. It's for dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it so much. I go to bed at, like, 9.30, and then I wake up at 2 a.m., and I'm like, all right, we're, we're up for three hours. What are we doing? What do you do at it's that time? It's a reverse time? siesta. Yeah. Do you, do you do the thing where it's like if you got into, like, medieval times, you would start your bread at that time or something? Yeah, like, like, like the, the oh, yeah, get up cycle? And s- start some bread? That's not a bad just idea. Start the, start the yeast, do a couple of yeah. rises, and then by the time then you wake up again, you put it in the oven. Make a big old loaf of yeah. Yeah, no, I, I generally get up and I'll, like, think about all the ways in which I'm not a good person yet. Sure, sure. <laughs> all the ways I'm failing as a performer and a comedian and all those kinds of fun and things. And then you're thinking about I look how at my everybody jokes, else like, These is... These suck, and yeah. everybody else is so much better everybody than me. Everybody else is doing so much better than me. Yeah, and, pretty yeah. much. Basically. It, 
And, uh... That's a great... Do you, do you ever like to spend your waking hours like that? Yeah. Like, when I can't sleep, the my... And, I mean, I think it's the same for everybody who has, like, insomnia. And I grew up in a household of insomniacs, so both my parents are bad sleepers mm. as well. They wander around the house all night. And uh, you can't... There's no... Uh, there's no upside. There's no... You can't get up and read. You can't get up... I mean, you can read, but... It's not enjoyable. Yeah, it's not a you, fun time for creativity. No, you can't get anything done. Like you could, you can try, and yeah. I, I've certainly been like, you know what? Just I'll sleep when I sleep, and I kind of tried to live like that for a while, like Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll, I'll just whenever I'm tired, then I'll sleep because I have kind of a loosey goosey schedule. And uh, but th- those hours in the night, you're, you, you like your brain doesn't want to be up. Mm-hmm. But you can't shut it down. No, it's like, and, yeah. what do you think about this fuckface? You having a good time? Oh, I'm your brain. Yeah, <laughs> sucker. And That's I, what the top down process yeah. is for me, anyway. Have you done like? Because I've done all of the things that yeah. people say to do, yep. and you know, you keep, create your bed is like just a sleep zone, and don't look at screens, and yep. don't eat, and don't do this, and take this, and I've done all of the things, and it's it's yeah. There's only one thing that works for me. What's that? Hardcore, heavy-duty marijuana extracts. <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to say uh, heavy-duty, like, so it was going to be like a sex thing or something. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And I'm like out like old, a lion. Just like a good old fisting. Yeah, yeah like it a just good... puts me out like a baby. A Both good old sea hags fisting. Both of you guys were, like, doing the fist motion before you even, like... Like, I knew it was fisting was coming in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I just felt it. Yeah. Like, or, I, have a, or... I have a fist sense. Yeah, there we go. Well, this has been the Sea Hags podcast. Everybody. And we're done forever. We're forever. We, we quit. We made it. We did it. <laughs> this whole year has been building to this. No, I use a, I use, I use a, a, an edible extract that is uh, made for cancer patients. Actually, it's called oh, wow. Phoenix Tears, and I put it in a Starburst. It's called what? Tears? Phoenix, Phoenix Tears. Tears. So, okay. like the thing that you get in Harry Potter. Yeah, so, yeah. Like I don't remember what they're for. <laughs> Something good. Um, but you put it in, in like a Starburst sandwich because it's very waxy, so it gets stuck in your teeth. So you have a little candy and you go to bed. So they uh, they come as a can. Nope. It no, comes you in like it. a syringe of goo and then you put the goo on the candy and then you eat the candy. Does it taste good? No. The candy tastes great but the extract is very weedy. Yeah. Uh, but boy howdy clang. Like I'm gone. I'm out for seven to eight hours. It's pretty oh, wow. incredible. Yeah. So, that, so then that's all you need then? Yeah. Basically. Like, but that means I have to like be kind of stoned in the morning all the time, pretty much. Just like so a little it, bit. it lingers. Just a little bit. Okay. Just to like nine or so. If I'm up at 7.30, it's like till nine, and I'm like, I'm awake now. It's all good. Mm. I just got my job permanently, so I don't feel so uncomfortable about saying that anymore. Thank you very much. It was only five years to get a real job like a real person. But, <laughs> uh, but like, the feeling of having a night of sleep, mm-hmm. like right through. Yeah is incredible. Oh, it's, yeah, better than any drug. Like you, you do it all the time. Yeah. But, uh, it is really <laughs> you like... You know how good you have it. I guess. I just really love bed and I really love sleep. Oh, like, me too. Oh, there's I love it. I, yeah, yeah, there's nothing I love We just have a very dysfunctional sleep. relationship mm-hmm. in sleep. Yeah, I just like, for a while, like I am easing out, so I don't know, maybe as I get older it'll be harder to sleep more because like I used to be able to sleep... I would, like, wake up in the morning and then be able to roll over and fall back asleep, and then I would just, like, wake up every hour and could just sleep until, like, 5 p.m. Yeah, I, I can just, do I that. I can constantly sleep. I can constantly sleep 
after a night of bad sleep, okay. I can do what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I can kind of wake up and be like, fuck it, and just go back to yeah. sleep. But that doesn't feel restful. No. That exactly. just feels like... Uh, gross. It feels gross. But I would do that over top of a full night of sleep as well, so it was like extra... It's You're pretty, like a bear. Pretty luxurious. That's like Basically a bear. a little Polish bear. Yeah. <laughs> that's in like the garden what, eating turnips and then sleeping yeah, in the Yeah, that's cave. what a bear or a lion would do. Cool. Like just, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but as I've gotten older, now that I'm in my 30s, uh, <laughs> I found that I can't do the sleep in thing. I have to get up when I'm awake or else I just feel disgusting otherwise. But that's, uh, you, that's I think, more of a function of having a job. Yeah, probably. Because... But even on the weekends? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're, you just train your body to Yeah, do I think, that. yeah. Because I'm, I don't know, I could sleep in forever and ever, but I never feel good. Mm. So I always try and just, whenever I get up, try and get up. But mm-hmm. but I, yeah, sleep is, man, it is, I've been chasing it. I've been chasing it my <laughs> whole life. Chase that dragon. Yeah. <laughs> now, if we had an opium den, I bet you could sleep pretty good. Oh, yeah, sister, let's... preach. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the podcast where the sea hags fucking get Graham hooked on heroin. <laughs> yeah. We that really was... could trace it back to just us. Yeah, just being the, the, problem. the end of like all of our favorite comedy things in town just from this one day. Yeah. So and everybody hooked really on really old help. style opium. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. The sea hags opium den would be pretty fun though. Yeah, it absolutely. would be. Not gonna lie. Yeah. We'd have really good snacks too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean if you're gonna run a den, why not, mm-hmm. right? Peanut free. We want to be inclusive of everybody. Bless yeah. your heart. Well, that's that's another thing that I was kind of thinking about was just about about podcasts in general is the weird intimacy that it creates with people you don't actually know mm-hmm. who listen to your show who feel like they know you really well. Yeah. Because like I mean, this is maybe the fifth time we've spoken face to face. Yeah, you've about been, that. you've been on the show, the Laugh Gallery. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, but we've only met like a few times. Mm-hmm. But I've been listening to your show for like seven years. Yeah. So I know a lot about you. Like yeah, I know yeah. what you're allergic to. Yeah. <laughs> is a, a lot of thing. people do. It's yeah. Very... <laughs> well, it's just like like th- how much easier is it for people to show you love though? It's like, well, Graham can't have those. Yeah, That'll yeah, yeah. That'll be bad for him. <laughs> and every uh, town I go to, somebody will. Right and say here are the best vegetarian places in town. Mm. Yeah, the the we we're just lucky that we have an audience that has gravitated towards the podcast that are incredibly sweet people. Mm-hmm. I mean, uniformly we yeah. we have. I don't think we've ever had. I've never had anything that I would consider like a bad experience. No, like yeah. I mean, I I feel like. Uh, the Maximum Fun Network is, 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 that's kind of the brand is like, they yeah. want to be inclusive and, yeah. and it's supposed to be this kind of really friendly space, but it's, uh, it almost blows my mind. I'm like, it can't be as friendly as, as... Yeah, where's the sinister underbelly? Yeah, There's yeah, gotta yeah. There's got to be a catch. And I think it's all these... Uh, it's the, not Griffin McElroy, he's the evilest one. <laughs> somebody's got to be that, right? Uh... <laughs> But, like, I feel like uh, pre-internet, you would maybe find the two or three people in your town that were into that kind of vibe. And now you can connect all these people in different cities and towns. And so it's... it's, It has the potential to be, like, a very bad thing. 
and also a very good thing. But it's been mostly a positive. It's, yeah, yeah, for us it's been I absolutely. can only imagine that the, the, the worst thing is that it's sometimes awkward. Like somebody gets really excited and maybe starts to cry or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's just like some they, of that. The, yeah. the, the, the people just get very jacked up and are very socially awkward. Because, like, let's be honest, people who like comedy, by and large, are like a little bit off in some ways. Like, <laughs> they're, Yeah, like they're a different breed. Being drawn to something that is like an expression of individuality and like, like a bit of a twist on what a, a regular expectation would be like that, I think, draws those kinds of people mm-hmm. and so like you get people who are just like i just i love you so much <laughs> like, like okay great thanks yeah. like I, how do you really respond to somebody's like oh my god i love you like i've never met you before uh <laughs> it, like anytime that it's been like that we're just like well we, we just will chat you know yeah. and eventually uh that just goes away you take some of the like the the heightened anxiety the out of the like first part of it just I, yeah i would think exposure so therapy a little bit yeah, like, I, because I met people that that I was like that for. Who? Uh, one of the big ones was when I met Bruce McCullough. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So he uh, is. I tell me if this gets boring, but uh, I doubt it. When he's, he's one of my favorites for sure. Okay, I've yeah. had a crush on him since I was like eight. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he, when I was a teenager, I. And and it's probably the same thing uh, for you guys is like I said like back pre kind of internet, mm-hmm. if you were a comedy person, you had to kind of just find the other person that also <laughs> loved comedy mm-hmm. and knew the you know the great movies and the, the you know this bit from that thing yeah. and uh, and so my friend in uh, high school is a guy named Brad Wood. He was one of the guys that really got comedy. Right. And uh, the other guy I knew was Ryan No, He lived down the street. And Brad Wood and I, we went to see Bruce McCullough do his one-man show called uh, Slightly Bigger Cities, which uh, we saw when I was 16. Wow. And it was, you know, like I already loved stand-up comedy and I already like knew kind of everything you could know about comedy lore at the time. But seeing, yeah, 96, yeah, I saw uh, Bruce McCullough, and it was just like, I was like, I can't believe that that was a comedy show, what I saw, because it was, uh, it was poetic, and it was, uh, there was a real kind of emotion in there, and, but it was also screamingly funny, Nice. and uh, so I remember seeing that, and it really changed my mind about it was seeing him and seeing Janine Garofalo on TV were the two things where I was like, oh, st- like stand-up comedy can be all these different things. Because up until that point, I had like, you know, watched Seinfeld or George Carlin, mm-hmm. but it was a very wee- one thing. It was all jokes. Yeah. And then Janine Garofalo gets up there. She's kind of, it seems like, like she's... a paper. Yeah, she's working she's... stuff out. But it's just as funny as anything else. Oh, yeah. And uh, Bruce McCullough was, you know, he's jumping from, like, a little scene to, like, a monologue to a song. And I was like, but this is as funny as anything. And uh, Mm. so, yeah, meeting him years later at a festival was very... Big. (laughs) It was huge. Yeah. And he was instantly funny. That was the greatest thing, because I met him, and I said, I'm a big fan of yours. And he, he was there with his wife, and he said, uh, he said, did you meet my wife? Do you think she's a bitch? <laughs> and, 
And I was, I was like, that is the funniest thing that anybody could have said. And it just put everything at ease. Oh, my God. And, yeah. And it was it was perfectly him, and it was mm-hmm. per so uh, so you know that that resonates in my head as being like a, oh man he's got such a little face like you know what I mean oh, it's, yeah. it's just like it's just so like sweet mm-hmm. so that anything he says is doubly funny because it's either gonna be like cutesy sweet weird like Gavin from. Uh, for yeah, kids yeah, in the hall, yeah. or it's going to be something really fucking left field, bizarro world stuff. And he, his album that he put out, uh, "Shame Based Man," which was <laughs> it's uh, a good title. It it is still like one of the best comedy albums I've ever heard. I gotta get that "Shame yeah. Based Man." Yeah, and he did a, a follow up, which I like just as much, but it's not. It's not. Uh, I would recommend "Shame Based Man" over the other one. But yeah, Drunk Baby Project is the second one. And, uh, <laughs> it's great, too. But uh, anyways, yeah, uh, getting to meet him was like that. And I, I thought I was going to be a guy that, you know, gushed by it because he made it so funny right away. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is fine. This I wonder if fine. that's yeah. like a learned tactic where it's like, I know how to diffuse the tension right away and like make people feel at ease or if that's just Ooh. naturally how he just I think he's just naturally yeah. that way. I think he's just like a really funny, weird weirdo. Did he yeah. do the podcast when he was in town? No, this was in... Uh, I, I He was here recently. He yeah, yeah. He punk at Laugh Lines, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I couldn't. Well, you had get... Scott Thompson on. We did have Scott Thompson right. on. Yeah, we that tried. Was really nice. <laughs> I actually haven't gotten to that episode yet. Yeah, yeah it was fun because he's. I can't decide who my favorite kid is. Honestly, mm. it always just cycles between all five of them. Yeah, it's like no, it's this guy today. No, it's that guy. It's almost I, always Scott Thompson though. <laughs> and I got to at different points. I'm lo- like I'm lucky. I've got to meet all of them at, mm-hmm. at a different point. You <laughs> know? collected the whole set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. Like none of them. Uh, are anything but like these real down earth Canadian boys. That's it, right? It really is. Like, that's there's totally. no. How many airs can you put on as like a Canadian comedian? I wonder. Well, that's. Yeah. Well, we were talking about that. I can't remember who was talking about that with. Uh, but I was talking about it the other night with somebody about. It. There's a, a quality to, the Canadian artist, that is, like. I was saying, like, if the Tragically Hip were a band from the States, they would have broken up decades ago. Sure. Just because there's this kind of, you know, if they were an American band, there's this kind of individualism or, or something that would have gotten in the way. Mm. But in Canada, it's like, no, 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 we're a, we're a bunch of we're nice boys. We're a, Yeah, we're a team. We're all working together. Like, that's why the kids in the hall, they're still together. Mm-hmm. They still do tours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the Bare Naked Ladies are still writing albums. And, well, you I mean, know. Stephen Page did leave. He did leave. Coke problem. <laughs> well, he's got his own thing going. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there is a, there is a kind totally. of... Uh, it's it's a bit intangible, but there is there's a gentleness to it. I think that is hard to pin down. I think intangible is the right word for sure. But there's like a like a soft accessibility of it that comes from having a small country, well, a large physical country, but a small population. Yeah, it's it's like that's the ratio of famous people to regulars is so uh, is so much more generous. In yeah, some that's ways. true. That's you true. Know, famous to regular ratio. Yeah. regulars. <laughs> And also there's no, you know, like, because we're living now in a a culture where people are talking uh, very frequently about what is a Canadian value or Mm -hmm. whatever. 
And I don't know that there there is a a set that anybody could agree on, but there's definitely like a vibe yeah, that everybody's like we all know what it is. Yeah. It's like friendly self-effacement. Like it's not really like, it's not self-hating. No. But you're like I'm a silly I'm a silly boy. Yeah, this you is know? all very silly. It's all like it's awareness of the artifice of art, I guess, and and uh, an acknowledgement of like yeah, I know I'm not, like, laying pipe in Fort McMurray right now. Like, I, I know what I'm doing, but we're having fun, right? Like, we're yeah, all yeah. in on it. Like, this is this is fun, and... Yeah. And I don't know, like, it's even, uh, you know, like, like, Russell Peters is one of the, you know, most famous comedians in the world. Mm-hmm. And he still is a guy that you have no problem picturing going shopping at the mall. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's not... Like, even though he lives in America, he lives in L.A., but if you saw him at a mall in Brampton, you wouldn't be yeah. like, what's he doing? Like, you'd he's be like, like, oh, there's Victoria Russell Beckham Peter. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, even though he's, like, the most famous guy, if you saw him at a Humpty's restaurant, <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, uh-huh. Yep. Like, How did I get to this Humpty's? <laughs> what even is uh, a Humpty's? Oh, Humpty's is kind of like a, like, uh, maybe on the prairies. No, it's like a Oh, oh! I I've totally been there. Of course I have. That's where my in laws live in Saskatoon. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they I've live been in a Humpty. They, they live, live in a Humpty. They've subdivided a Humpty's. They live on the left hand yeah. side of the Great they live views. In the Great views. <laughs> Great views. Uh, the fries are yeah. a little soggy, but it's okay. When I was a kid, uh, <laughs> I found a shirt at a garage sale. <laughs> my dad, a uh, God bless him, like just. Like, he was the Hank Hill to my Bobby yeah, Hill. Yeah, he's pretty you good. Know? Yeah. <laughs> like, just always like, oh, my son. And I found this shirt that was a Humpty shirt that had two fried eggs where the breasts would be. And it said, I got laid at Humpty's. And I was like, I'm buying this shirt. My dad was like, no. And I bought it. I wore it to school. I thought it was the funniest thing. The eggs are my boobs. <laughs> he seemed Do you guys say. get this? Do you guys get the levels at work here? Also, it's Humpty's, a place where you get eggs. <laughs> I would have like taken a sharpie and written like the Humpty's dance is your chance or something like that. To do the on the back to do the hump. <laughs> do the hump, do the humpty hump. There's a lot of room on that shirt. I wear an XL usually, so. And know. it's like like I understand me buying it at a garage sale. I don't understand who bought it at the Humpty's. After their breakfast was well, like, well, let's get a shirt. They're so inspired. Yeah. <laughs> well, consider, like in another seven years, we're gonna see a bunch of t-shirts from like the eatery that just say "Me so horny" turning up at all yeah. of the value villages everywhere. Yeah. And imagine how cheeky that was in like two thousand three. Definitely, people were buying baby tees of it. Yeah. I I had the underpants and then for texting a long time. on their sidekicks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In retrospect, super racist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Extremely so. Well, I think that's what that's what gave it its uh, flavor. Mm, mm, a little zing, yeah, little sabi. That's the umami flavor. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little. That's the sixth. Yeah. That's the sixth flavor. The fifth flavor. <laughs> Do we want to use that excuse to take a break? Yes, let's. We're back. We're back. Hi. Where did we go? We went downstairs to get more beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is the IPA that they called uh, Dank. It is Dank. Oh, my yeah. God. It smells super like weed. So yeah. according according to Michael at the beer store, 
uh, hops and like marijuana buds are cousins. They kind of look the same. So the same way that you would have like a sticky dank nug, you could have it of hops or weed. And they uh. Super, super smells like weed. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. And yeah. it does. It tastes, I would say dank is the word. Yeah. So yeah. that's some dank ass but, like, shit. It's not like a super bitter beer though. You can still mm-hmm. like, it still has flavor. It doesn't like, kill your palate. So I was quite surprised I got to sample it today. Yeah. Normally I would never buy a double IPA, but... Here we are. I was convinced. We're all trying something new today. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Anyway, we were just, before we came back on mic, we were just talking about, well, for some reason, the Bob Seger song, Night Moves. Mm -hmm. And it was just very interesting because Graham brought it up and that song factored very heavily into the day that we conceptualized the podcast, which we haven't, I don't think, talked about since our first, or a zero, zero episode, Mm -hmm. The Hagening, Mm -hmm. as it was titled. The Hagening, where we, we were on a beach with several other cool ladies, Mm Probably not doing mushrooms. Uh, not totally microdosing. <laughs> totally not doing anything, or de- and definitely not drinking. You know, rose out of the bottle and, ah. and goat cheese and things, and seeing. You know, we ball hard. <laughs> yeah, we do. And there was a uh, a transient orca whale just like arcing through the water. It was a pretty magical wow. goddamn day, if I may say so myself. Mm-hmm. And everybody else saw it. It wasn't just me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sure. So uh, it was definitely there was definitely a whale. <laughs> For sure, it wasn't like a police car driving by or something like or that. Or a but. log. Yeah, no, it was pretty spectacular. So that was the day that we came up with the podcast. But then when we finally packed up to leave, uh, you were giving everybody a ride back to their campsite, mm-hmm. and uh, I had responsibly stopped drinking rosé much earlier than and microdosing. Nice. <laughs> yeah, the mushrooms had passed out of my system. <laughs> but... And we cranked on the radio, and it was just this, the beginning of Night Moves by Bob Seger. And oh, so we yeah. just turned it right up, and I convinced everybody to sing Night Boobs instead of Night Moves because I'm a very grown up. Yeah, adult. yeah, yeah. And we were just howling it on the highway in in Roberts Creek. It was really spectacular so that's just made me think of that and i was like holy shit this is a year this is our one year episode wow mm-hmm. and it all started with a little dose of seeger yeah and well, all, all good things <laughs> microdosing bob seeger yeah 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 a little microdose of seeger it'll get you where you're <laughs> you don't going. you don't need the whole best of album that's for sure there's really only two or three songs that you need have you ever seen there was this crazy movie i think from the 80s called american pop and it was um no. Uh, I don't know what the name of the technology is, but it was rotoscoping. This, I think it was rotoscoping. Is it like when they draw over cells yeah, that have already? Yeah, been, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's this it's fantastic. This movie. I've, it, never, it, I've never heard of that. It follows uh, just kind of like musicians through these different decades. Mm-hmm. Not not the same musician, but just kind of like every scene. Every decade kind of revolves around the music of that. Oh, it's era. a Ralph Bakshi movie. Is it? Who's that? He's the guy who did Cool World. Oh, neat. Yeah, yeah. This so, anyways, the big, the big like final song in the movie is Night Moves. That's a good one. Oh, it's got the languages: English, Hebrew, Russian, and Yiddish. Yeah, that it's sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. The film tells the story of four generations of a Russian Jewish immigrant family of musicians whose careers parallel the history of American popular music. That sounds yeah. great. That yeah. sounds really. The majority cool. of this film's animation was completed through rotoscoping. It's weird that I didn't know what movie it was, but I knew what you meant. Yeah, and it's uh, it's beautiful. Like, and and the music in it is amazing. And but the kind of the big final kind of number is night moves. Nice yeah. night moves. Yeah. Oh, he also did Fritz the Cat. Oh yeah, which I was obsessed with when Me I was a teenager. Too. Yeah. Showtime. They like the super dirty version of it. Yeah. Where it would just be like, What am I even watching? This is like a weird sex cartoon. Like <laughs> I really hope my mom doesn't open her bedroom door, which is right near where the T V is. Oh, that <laughs> like, was unfortunate. Yeah. Unfortunate mom's door placement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I was, yeah, I was obsessed with the, the whole Robert Crumb, you mm, know, right. adult big, comic. Big, big, fat leg butt Yeah, girls. yeah. <laughs> I like them, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then... It's a good look. And then got into Harvey Pekar and all that stuff. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I hope that uh, kids are still, they're probably still discovering that stuff. I mean, it wasn't of my time. Mm-hmm. It was of earlier and I discovered it. I so. think those types of comics are really making a serious comeback. You know, like, it's, it's one of those things, that kind of like podcasting in a way that is a bit of a niche these days. Like, it's no yeah. longer... Uh, as it's not like a few people become very widespread anymore. It's like there are sort of pockets of like Kate Beaton is one that I think of. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. She's a Canadian comic artist mm-hmm. who is a very lovely person also. Yes. Uh, and sh- her comics are like a mix of autobiography and history and history, stuff, and they're yeah. really, really fascinating and interesting, beautifully drawn, that kind of stuff. And I definitely like Tumblr. Uh, definitely is a great platform for those kinds of things. Instagram as well mm-hmm. for just like a visual medium to see these like storytelling through a visual. Yeah, form, yeah, yeah. which I'm really really interested in I mean I like comic books like comics mm-hmm. but I also am really interested in people like putting these things out independently that are not like super big produced with like a bunch of different people working on it right. right like it's not it's not a commission thing it's people making their own art mm-hmm. yeah and I really and I think that's what Harvey Picar and uh, all the others I think yeah I think he kind of he's uh, certainly started that mm-hmm. autobiographical comic well, and Alison Bechtel who is like a very famous lesbian cartoonist right. does the same yeah. thing it's a very much the same like the autobiographical comics which I I love. I think yeah. they're really great. Mm-hmm. I like just hearing about people's lives all the time. Yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Like it's I've heard why we do that. <laughs> yeah, well I mean I've heard people say like, well that's it's garbage if your art is just your own life, right? Like that's just you're cheating, you're not being creative but it's the, at it's all. It's the only original thing that you can really do. <laughs> it's yeah, the only sure, thing you can tap yeah. into without worrying that people are gonna think I'm hack. Yeah. yeah. And it is it's the old adage is that you write what, what you, you know. know. And so <laughs> you know what do you know better than your own life and Well, I know that women be shopping. Yeah, little well, ladies be shopping. Update it. You know, it's not just women, it's ladies. <laughs> ladies Which is a much broader category yeah, yeah. than women. <laughs> chicks be shopping. Yeah, well, absolutely, chicks be shopping. But they always be shopping. And broads don't belong in broadcasting. <laughs> I disagree. See, this is now. Broads, you're... Now, broads in podcasting. Yeah. Pods don't belong in podcasting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was just a UHF quote, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Oh, that was a great movie. I mean, for the time. It's truly a Twinkie Wiener sandwich of movies. <laughs> oh, I'm getting toasty. Mm-hmm. Everybody else a little sweaty? Yeah. We were just thinking about how hot the studio is going to get. Like, we've had this, like, weird, crazy snowpocalypse in Vancouver, and it's actually made it tolerable to be in the studio because it's yeah. so fucking cold outside. I'm, I, I think it's, uh, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm. So, Chris. Chris. What? What's going on with you lately? Oh, really? <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was gonna You're say halfway through the end of the podcast. Yeah. No, I mean we 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 normally do a check in at the beginning, but why bother if we don't need to? I uh, got to chase Justin Trudeau around town last week. Oh, that that's was kind fun. of exciting. It's uh, my boss is the uh, basically she's kind of in charge of some downtown east side stuff. And Justin Trudeau was coming to the downtown east side to right. talk about the fentanyl crisis, and he yeah. was going in this like secret closed door meeting, and it's like. Why don't you want to meet with any other people besides this like secret closed door meeting? And so we thought that uh, Christy Clark was going to be there too. And so my boss was like, it's shitty that I didn't get invited because this is my turf. So then we fucking tried to find him and we drove around town and we chased him down and we found where there was like 12 black suburbans full of army guys just like hanging out in front of this clinic. And so we're like, he's obviously in there. 
So we walk up, and my boss just, like, walks up to the RCMP officer and is like, who's in charge? I need to get into that meeting. So ballsy. So amazing. Wow. And, of course, they didn't let us. Oh, no. <laughs> but it was really inspiring. Zest only goes so far. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, technically, you cannot come in. But then we did see him leave. Yeah. And he, like, waved a little bit. Um, got into a Suburban and, like, drove away, and then we tried to break into his press conference, but they also wouldn't let us, but we sure did try. <laughs> Is he trying to do something about the fentanyl? Yeah. So, He's trying to get a good photo op about yeah, it. Yeah, so, like, the hmm. health the health minister, Jane Philippot, is really on, like, let's make injection sites totally legal everywhere and, and like, harm reduction, whatever. Trudeau had that kind of thing where he was like, well, I need to go there to actually see it for myself, and it's like... Do you really have such like an empathy gap that you can't trust what everyone's telling you and right. there are like photos and there are like people's life experiences and accounts? But it's like no, account I count to... of the corpses. Yeah, yeah, there's like a thousand people died last year from fentanyl overdoses. But isn't it like it's? It feels like it's kind of cool that uh, at least he's like, I want to go. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a huge change up from like Stephen Harper being like, everyone should be in jail that ever touches a drug. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's <laughs> kind of... drug poor moi. <laughs> it's kind of cool that, you know, like, I mean, like you say, it would be nice if he took just uh, the stories and whatever, but the fact that he's like, yeah, I want to go down and see it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... Uh, it's pretty good. I agree. I you feel know. like I, I can get into my, like, cynical brain a little bit where sure. I'm like, doesn't go far enough, but that's what bugs me about some activists in general, so I'm kind of replicating the same thing. It is really cool that he came down. I was a little bummed that he went to, like, a secret closed-door meeting with academics, and then he said, and frontline workers, a.k.a. the chief of police and the chief of, like, the fire department. Right. Like, those aren't the frontline workers, and he went on a ride along with the cops to like drive through the downtown east side, but never got out of his car, never met anybody, right. never met a drug user, never like stepped out to go visit some of the staff that are like killing themselves working down there. Like, just right when, yeah. we, when we saw him leave, we were standing with community members and all these frontline workers at this research place, and they were like, Trudeau, like, come and say anything to us. And he was just like, ah, and like ducked into his car. Right. It's like, it would have been so fucking cool if he would have stopped. And gone and, like, shaken some people's hands Do you think like they that. can? Or is there... Know. Like, because that's what I always wonder mm-hmm. about this stuff. Like, just security-wise, can there he... There was a huge, like, space between him and everyone else that the RCMP had set up a barricade. Right. So I'm sure that he can't, because who knows... Well, yeah, exactly. You know, like, I mean, that's control. the perfect opportunity, even just if somebody wanted to, you know... Throw, throw a pie in Yeah, exactly. Whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. I yeah, just, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, like, I was a little bit bummed out, though, because mm-hmm. I thought that he would, like, include folks that have been working on this for a really long time, and it just seemed like it was a little far removed from sure. what's going on. But you're you're actually bringing me around a little bit to be like, like it is pretty, he's coming all the way from Ottawa. And, and, and absolutely, like, it's always going to be, especially with politicians, it's always going to be that way. Like, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's going to be these... Uh, you know, grassroots politicians that are rolling up their sleeves and doing the work. I need to see the prime minister. No, ma'am, you can't. I think you can at a certain level, and then there's a certain level where you become mm-hmm. a target. You yeah. know what I mean? And, like, so it would be cool. Like, I'm sure he would love to go, you know, hang out for a night mm-hmm. and see what's going on. But I'm sure, like, people are like, yeah, but uh, people might try and kill you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm sure I'm sure uh, a lot of politicians, that's kind of the trade-off. Because what they got into it for mm-hmm. was to be 
helping the people. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, as you get up that ladder, you become more of a target. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you're actually so right. Because I've seen the change even in just the way that I interact with folks where I used to be very much a, like, roll-up-my-sleeves outreach worker, and now that I'm, like, working in politics, I'm like, here's how the systems work, and here's exactly. how you have to navigate them, yeah. and people are like, why don't you just pick up the phone and fucking help me? And I'm like, well, I can't really do that, because here's the procedure, and here's yeah, the way this that is how it works. I can yeah. teach you how it works, and I can go with you every step of the way, but we do need to do this, because otherwise, if I pick up the phone, the person on the other line will be like, why didn't you do this, 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 and this before you got to me? And it's like, well, that makes the person look... Like, you can just write them off. Well, and, and uh, on top of it, too, I know that I've, like, heard people say, well, you know, they're just doing this as a photo op. And I'm like, yeah, they are, to a certain extent. But also, like, you don't really want your prime minister, like, picking up garbage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you actually do want him doing prime minister things. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's... You know, it's good for him to come and, like, he wants to hang out and mm-hmm. check out and have meetings. That's great. But, like... The photo op stuff is like, but you don't actually want your prime minister putting in an eight hour shift picking up garbage. Like, we can hire somebody. Eight hours of cutting ribbons with big scissors. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to see. That's what I paid my taxes for. (laughs) But it's so, yeah, it is true. There's definitely been moments where I give an answer where I'm like, oh my God, I sound like a politician now because it's like, well, we can't commit on this or that because of that. Because I actually know what some of the inner workings are and why we don't have an answer for this yet is because of. XYZ and it's too hard to explain or I try to explain it and people are like, fuck you. <laughs> you signed up for this. You should be like, I should be able to scream at you and I should be able to grab you. Like, Oof, So I kind of get having like a security barricade. And also, <laughs> yeah. you know what the... the Damn one, you, Graham Clark, bringing nuance to this podcast. <laughs> also, I, I think one of the things that you realize the farther up you go in anything mm-hmm. is that you you find out that the... the Things that you thought would be explosive kind of truth is all very mundane. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, uh, you know, like conspiracy theories really latch on to, well, it's this and that. And then if you knew the actual truth is just so boring that you don't even want to hear it, you know, like yeah. it's like, well, why can't I have this thing? And it's like, well, because of this nine point you know, protracted problem. Yeah. That's why. It's like, not It's not because I want to. <laughs> You know, it's not because the Canadian government's in, in with the cartel or something. It's like, no, because if we legalize them, we've got this trade embargo with the states. And then the, the committee has, and, to, has to go through the committee process. And the, yeah, how do we implement this with Health Canada? And that's a different department. And it's all just this very boring, bureaucratic, hard-to-digest yeah. kind of stuff. And, like, I'm a person that watches Question Period for fun. <laughs> <laughs> and even I get bored when they get to, like, order of the day, like, business of the day, like, committee shit. Is so boring. Yeah, and it's, uh, but I think I I listened to them do the, uh, it was the amendment to the Animal Cruelty Act, and it took two hours of debate, and they still didn't even finish. Yeah. And it was basically, let's not be bad to animals. Exactly. (laughs) Just like a six year old write it on crayon. I like horses. (laughs) (laughs) But you're getting to watch in the States. Mm hmm firsthand you're starting to see people realizing that there's these giant mechanics that aren't just bureaucracy because bureaucracy is fun to have mm-hmm. there's reasons why these things yeah. have to, these systems have developed and so then you know you got this guy who wants to do things immediately and it's like oh it's not because every other president 
wanted to wait. It's because there's all these crazy fucking, you know what I mean? Like, it's this crazy giant machine, and, yeah, yeah. and you can't go in and just blow it up. Yeah, people because... get really upset if you try to do that, and mm-hmm. then it doesn't work. And yeah. then it doesn't work. It would be one thing if you're like, well, we got to just clean it out. <laughs> but it's like going into a, a like a clock and being like, I'm cleaning out all these gears, but it's not going to tell time anymore, you know? <laughs> like, it may look fine, but it's not going to fucking work. <laughs> this is some fucking brilliant. <laughs> I think you solved another thing, too. All right, we got we did drug, drugs, we fixed that. We fixed government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, we are just killing it tonight. <laughs> What, what, do we, what do you feel about world hunger? Like, what are we going to do about that? Uh, More GMOs! The, the whole, like, honestly, yeah, the world hunger thing <laughs> is, it, it is, it will be, it, it will be the, the marker on which our generation mm-hmm. is going to be most harshly judged. Because any other generation, there was a war, or there was real... Like scarcity, scarcity. Actual, actual, scarcity. actual scarcity, and Dust and bones. this is the first generation where we literally, literally have enough for everybody. More than enough for everybody, and, and we, yeah. we throw so much fucking stuff away. All yeah, the time. yeah. And we're like, we aren't, you know, actually, but our generation—that's mm-hmm. what we're gonna have to answer for in history. Why? And in that insane way that, like, when you look kind of in medieval history and you're like oh so the aristocracy had everything had everything and then there were people literally dying in the streets Mm -hmm. that's what we have now fine no problem that is is happening yeah yeah the exact same thing is happening Mm -hmm. turns out human beings can be very selfish when they are not forced to share but it's also do you think it's selfish or do you just think it's like real uh real just ignorance like, do you think it's actually, like... A lack of empathy, big time. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's a type of ignorance, right? It's just, like, failing to understand that other people have experiences just as varied and rich as you do. Right. Like every single individual person in the world has this crazy, complex life in the same way that you do. And trying to process that all at once is, like, the last 20 minutes of 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? Like, it's just right. it's incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And frustrating, and it makes you mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so exactly like the last twenty minutes of two thousand one. <laughs> yeah, but like, like it's very frustrating to try to think about that because you're like, oh no, I care about no, I can't, can't shut down, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it it's is, self-preservation yeah. in some ways, and it is that which is a type of selfishness, I think. But it's also understandable. Like the thing is, I have empathy for the people who don't have empathy. No, which I just fucked. <laughs> I but I do too because it's like you know so much of uh, everyday life is just like getting by, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know you try and think at the end of the day where you've been at work all day, and you know if you're somebody you're taking care of kids or what, or maybe a, a sick family member, or who mm-hmm. knows what, you know? And then like it's like, can you even spare a thought? For some country you don't even you've never even heard of before, mm-hmm. that's having some crazy famine. Yeah, it is a it's a weird it's a it, like a weird time because we, for the first time in a long time, we've had we have instant access yeah. to those parts of the world. 
that before were abstract. Yeah. You know, like if you didn't see it on the news, it didn't exist. But and now, now it's like literally you get live updates from someone's Twitter yeah. about like this awful well, thing happening in happening Aleppo or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but then you do feel this paralysis set in because... You know, today it's Aleppo, tomorrow it's this thing. and yeah. Or, or there's somebody in your own community that needs uh, mm-hmm. fundraising. or, or and, and so you feel like, I can't... It's that I thing where anything. you feel like, I have so much to do, I'm just going to I'm gonna do none of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to walk away from all of it. Yeah. Instead of chipping away, you know, it, which is hard to do, mm-hmm. I think. I This episode went way more deep than I expected it to so far. And I just, like, it's really just a lot of similarities between the episode we did with Avery uh, two weeks ago. That's I was telling Graham in the car on the way about, like, the kitchen being central to social movement. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. So yeah. Her, her big thing was, like, you, you have to have... A project. A, a life project. And she said, don't just have one, because if that doesn't work, then, then you're fucked. But, like, if you have, like, yeah. two life projects that you can work on and, like... These are the two causes that I really am dedicated to or the two actions that I'm going to be doing mm-hmm. that improve people's lives. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to pour all of my energy into. Like, that's yeah. really awesome because you can't do it all because you just won't do anything. Yeah, and it's. I think it's also, uh, you know, there's this, like, um, there's this feeling like that if you can't do all, then doing a little is just, to, why bother? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like... Uh, like, kind of, you think about it like the, you know, like if somebody's a vegetarian, they've gone all in on not eating meat. But somebody who eats meat feels like, well, I guess I can't, uh, I don't want to be a vegetarian, but also I care about animals. And it's like, well, so just maybe eat meat like once a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you could scale it. Yeah. But people don't, they. They the really do want these absolutes. The sort of binary yeah. thinking that like, gets a lot of... Yeah. 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 And, and people get on, you know, like uh, a philanthropist's ass about, you know, they're like, well, if you're such a good philanthropist, why do you do that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but you can be two things. Mm-hmm. Everybody can be, you know, like uh, uh, I think of... Um, you know, Caitlyn Jenner mm-hmm. is an inspiration to a generation of trans people, mm-hmm. and also an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, also a terrible, yeah. terrible person. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But you can be both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Chef kissy fingers <laughs> is ever, that's so perfect. That is like the refrain of my household. <laughs> Absolutely. is like, oh, yeah, great. Also a dick, like a total asshole. Absolutely, <laughs> but but you can be you can be both, you know, yeah. and, and and people have so a... much nuance in this episode. <laughs> we thought it would come from us; it's coming from you. <laughs> You're stealing <laughs> our favor. <laughs> but I I do think people think like you know you either have to be you know Terry Fox, or or you have to be Donald Trump. Like there's no there's no it's room. A, it's in a there. very binary thinking. Yeah. yeah, this is something that I was thinking when I was trying to think of like. What are we going to talk about tonight when I was trying to... Because, like, I don't usually... We don't prepare things usually for the podcast, but I was like, this one's got to be good. Uh, and so far, so good, I think. Uh, but I was thinking about all or nothing thinking because it's something that's been really bothering me lately, and I don't mean to, like, shift it from big world talk no, to, like, no, no. Oh, yeah. comedy or whatever, but, like, I, I've been really thinking about that lately because the last few months, not to get too deep or anything, I've just been depressed. I haven't been able to, like, 
force myself to go out and like drive for 40 minutes to go to the nearest place where Mm -hmm. I can go and do comedy or whatever. So I just, I've only gone up like a handful of times since the New Year's and I feel bad about it. And I'm like, oh, I'm not a real comic and I'm not like blah, blah, blah. But I still write. I still do the podcast and stuff. But it's this idea that like, I don't count, like, everybody thinks I'm stupid because I'm not there all the time, yeah, right. you know? Yeah, like, just yeah. this idea that... you're not all in, you're not grinding every single night doing it. Exactly, whatever. and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast because it's a thing that I have a lot of issues with because it's like, sometimes you do something because you like it, not because you want to make your career out of it, mm-hmm. right? Like, people who play pickup hockey aren't trying to get into the NHL necessarily. I'm not trying to be featured on Just for Laughs next week or something, but I still think of myself as being part of the comedy community yeah. in Vancouver. But there are still, there's always this discourse of like, you don't get to call yourself a comic until you've been doing comedy for 15 years or whatever. Or like, you you don't, like, you're not really anything until you've got like 45 minutes or something right, like that. Right. So it's, it's just like, absolutely there's a hierarchy and absolutely you have to commit and absolutely you have to have good material and stuff like that. But there is... It's a step system. It's not like a, you either are or you are not. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's uh, I, I I mean, it's like it's like anything else. I mean, uh, I, I think the big thing when it comes to like new comics is what is your level of reverence for the form, mm-hmm. and it's and if you're content to do comedy for a year and go, I'm I'm a comic, just like, you know, just like Louis C. Hayes is a comic, then I'm like, maybe you don't have the, the requisite reverence for it, and mm-hmm. maybe that's that's what I think people mm-hmm. bristle at. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's respect, like, it for is, all the hard is. work that people have put in for yeah. a long time and not really acknowledging the behind-the-scenes stuff that they don't see. Yeah. They just see, he goes up on stage and talk, and I go up on stage and talk, and... They don't recognize like the actual work that happens behind the scenes. Yeah, and I think uh, I think it's okay when you're starting out. I did when I was starting out. Call myself an amateur comedian, mm-hmm. and uh, as you would if you were a, a photographer or somebody who was, you know, trying to to be an expert in wine or whatever. You'd say I'm an amateur because you're new, and mm-hmm. it's not the connotation is not negative. It's that you're new and mm-hmm. that you're like, I'm, I'm getting into this and I, I love it and I want to get better at it. But uh, attaching that label to yourself kind of lets everybody else know that you get it. Mm-hmm. But if you walk in and say, because I've had people say, well, I'm a comic. And I'm like, well, from this city? Because then why, have it, why do I not know who you are? Yeah. You know, and it's a little bit. Like, you get why that's upsetting, that oh, you yeah. would walk in and be, I'm a comic, like you. And I'm like, yeah, you will be. You will be one day. Yeah, I generally, absolutely. What I usually say is that I do comedy, not that I am a comic. Like, I, I do stand up, but I'm an amateur. Like, I always sure qualify it, because, like, sometimes Tess will interview, she's like, she's a stand-up, she's great. I'm like, you're very biased. I appreciate that. <laughs> I am an amateur. Please come see me anyway. There's, you know, like. there's also no formula, you know? No. There, there isn't. And and uh, there's, there's certainly a popular narrative mm-hmm. that people love to, you know, they love a certain story of how a, a comedian is mm-hmm. or comes to be. Or how whatever. a bill becomes a law. Yeah. But there is no, there is no one way in or out or what, what, what is and is not a mm-hmm. comedian. I mean, it it really is about. Do you go on stage? Do you work to make the audience laugh? I mean, that's the big. That's it. 
that's all it is. Yeah, so yeah. it's not, uh, there is no, it's not, uh, you know, uh, a very rigid process. No. Whereas if you were somebody that was like, I want to be a carpenter, you really do have to do like these 10 things or whatever yeah, they are mm-hmm. to be a carpenter. Uh, but comedian is very amorphous. You know. This is really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that really takes me out of it a bit, but <laughs> you're pretty wise, Graham. I don't yeah. know if you know that about <laughs> it. <laughs> but it, it's uh, it, it's it is tough. Like I mean, because you do, especially when you're getting into a thing, and I think it's the same music or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just you just want to be in it. Yeah. You just want to be all in it all the time, and uh, you know it's. It's great if you start when you're really young because you can do that. Yeah, you have the and it's yeah. like that's how you're gonna make your group of friends. Whereas like sometimes Absolutely. sometimes you're like, as like an older adult, you're like I have my group of friends and they don't do this thing, and so I have to divide my time. Whereas when you're young yeah. and you're starting out, you're just like all my friends are here at the thing that I'm doing all the time, and we all love it together. Yeah, it's like way easier to be there all the time because yeah. you want to hang out with your friends as well. Well, and uh, you know one of the one of the best comics that Vancouver has ever seen this guy named Erwin Barker, uh, who's passed away. Oh. Uh, so gonna look him up. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> do. He is one. It was one of the most brilliant comics and very beloved in Canada, mm-hmm. and he really only started his career. He he was a teacher and he had kids and. Uh, his kids grew up, and he he decided to be become a comedian full time, and uh, he got into it. He was from Saskatchewan originally, and then moved out here, and uh, just very smart. But got into it as as an older man, mm-hmm. and um, you know really worked really really hard to uh, to kind of become a great comedian, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, like he'd already had this other whole life. It's a lot of material to pull from. But none of his material is about that. Really? No. No, he was... No. Yeah, all his stuff was very... <laughs> he was like a... He was like a, a professor. Like he would he would take on uh, subjects and they were very mathematical, his jokes were... Huh. Yeah. Like he, that. he was really... He really was kind of like... Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would play... The Urban Well, which was all, you know, drunk 25-year-old kids, and he would destroy. And uh, it, it worked completely clean, you know. And uh, he, 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 kind of his last gig, he got cancer, and that's why he passed away. But his last gig, he was a writer on the Rick Mercer Report. And oh, wow. He, yeah, he worked for years and years on This Hour's 22 Minutes. and Damn. Yeah, but, you know, this was a guy who didn't come into it until he was, in his, you know, like a middle-aged guy. Mm-hmm. And um, he was, I think it is, it's the spirit that you present yourself mm-hmm. with is the most kind of important mm-hmm. thing, you know. And so he wanted to be a comedian and... And he fucking did it. And he was the best. You know, he was one of the best guys. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. That's really wonderful. That's good to hear. I uh, It's hard to start something later in life. Yeah. I don't, I mean, there are things I don't find that difficult because I don't find it hard to talk to people. Like, I'm not shy. No. I'll introduce myself to someone and if they don't like me, that sucks, but I'll, I'll live. Like, I'm not that socially anxious. So, great. But I definitely have this sense of like, you need to kind of 
shoulder and elbow your way in a little bit. Like you yeah. can't just you can't wait for people to be nice to you, which I hate because I just want to be very passive all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to like be aggressive and then be like, oh, we don't like you. Actually, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll take my ball and go home, right? <laughs> yeah. So it that 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 thing is really hard because you have to actively put yourself into it and then you know put your be vulnerable mm-hmm. by putting yourself up on up, up on stage and like this is my material that I wrote and if it sucks then uh, I have only myself to blame. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's a scary thing, and it's harder to do when you're older, when you've already had all these experiences of humiliation. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. uh-oh, I know this. <laughs> oh, no, this is very familiar. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. But it is, it, it's uh, It's a necessary part. I, I mean, there's just no way around. No. Nope. I mean, nope. that is, that's... You don't that... get to run a marathon without sweating and shitting exactly. your pants occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> and it is funny because, like... Uh, it's very unifying that because mm-hmm. that that is the experience of everybody that gets into it. It has to be weird like that. Uh, may, you know, mainly to weed out the people who are doing this as a neat, like, uh, you know, weekender kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Like, a, I'm pretty sure I'm good at this. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> a lot of the guys, I, everybody I started with doesn't do comedy anymore, you know? So, and that's the natural process of... I think any artist, people fall off and they, like you say, if you if your kind of life is, you know what, I'd rather be spending time with my friends, then you're not going to pursue, uh, you know, something where you're going out with a group of strangers and it's weird and it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is a very specific yes. <laughs> thing to kind of spend your time on. And apparently there are people who just straight up don't like it at all. Sure. Don't like comedy. Oh boy. Hate it. It's stupid. I yeah. hate laughter. Yeah, and it's, I don't know. It, like, it's such a weird uh, pursuit. I love anybody that tries to do it, but I think anybody that has any kind of, like, real passion for it understands that they have to go through the the rigors. Unpleasantness. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, you know, and the unpleasantness, what it is changes from year to year. Yeah. Like, Comedy now is a completely different thing than when I started. Yeah. It's like the scene and the politics and the, the whole world of comedy, you wouldn't recognize. The content is completely different. Content and the way that people access it and, and what just what it stands for. and mm-hmm. it's, it's a whole different world. I feel like there's more, and I don't know if that's just my own impression and my own projection, but I feel like there's more of a group of there's more of a subset of comedy that wants it to be a force for good. Uh, I don't think that it's something that it needs to be, uh, but I like that that's happening. Um, that's I, something I enjoy. I think it's always, I, I think com- comedy and, and uh, you know, wanting to do good, I feel, has always been bedfellows. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, in the 80s it was comic relief. And, you know, in mm. the 70s it was Jerry Lewis's telethon. And, mm-hmm. Like, it really... <laughs> Like, and, you know, even in, like, World War Two and Vietnam, the USO tours, like, mm-hmm. comedy always has been, like, uh, at least in the North American, Western kind of context, I don't know the rest of the world, but has been about, uh, like, that kind of very basic, like, I like making people happy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so that that mutates into different kind of forms or whatever. But uh, I always find, like, comedians... They will always do a set for a charity thing 
they will always donate their time. Always. Like, I don't know about other... I assume it's the same with a lot of musicians. and But I... But I know, I know what I know comedians. what I do with my own, like, if there's a cause that I'm into, I will definitely, but I've, trying to book fundraising gigs, I've definitely come up against a lot of, like, you need to pay me for my time, you need to respect all the work, and I'm like, I get that, because I've also been there, and I've done all that work, but I know that if it's a cause that I really, like, am into, then I will definitely donate my time. Anyway. Yeah, there's, no. There's yeah. a lot of, like. I, and I, and I understand <laughs> that. So much more equipment when it comes to music, though. It is true. Then it's like mm-hmm. you, it has to be, you know, make sure that everything is right so that you can do what you mm-hmm. have agreed to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with comedy, like, honest to God, anytime there's been a fundraiser, mm-hmm. you, there's no there's no cajoling or anything. It's just... Well, I mean, it's stage time. <laughs> it, well, I mean, there's also that, right? I mean, it is always... It's Are you kidding me? It's stage time. Of course, stage. Of course are I'm going to Are say you yes. kidding me? Yeah. I'm so old hand at this. <laughs> it's, like, it's a gala with people that would never normally see stand. Like, comedy I don't know, guys. I, I booked a paying gig true. for this Saturday. <laughs> and, did, did you? you? Yeah, oh, Morgan you. Payton booked me. I got twenty dollars in drink tickets. Yay! <laughs> Here in town? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Where? at some film festival at uh, at the Vancouver nice. Cinematheque or whatever. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that'll be good. It's not, the best thing about comedy is that if you're nice, people will probably book you. <laughs> like if you're yeah. nice and at least somewhat funny, people will have you on. And Morgan likes me, so she'll book me for things. So, like, great. Awesome. That was... Uh, so simple. Brent, but years ago at the Urban Well said... He had to become a comedian, didn't he? Was I think name, like, so. Brent Butt? Well, the rest of his family. He's got all sorts of brothers they're and sisters. They're all named Butt. Yeah, and they're not all comedians. They're, they're, <laughs> They've adapted differently. Yeah. But he said to me very early on, he was like, if you are going to be in comedy, you have to either be nice to be around or you have to be brilliant but you or some mix thereof yeah but you can't but, yeah. have uh, you can't have neither yeah you can't be unpleasant and unfunny yeah like, you will not succeed no yeah all. but you can be unpleasant but if you're really funny you'll get you know x amount of gigs yeah. and if you're not really a funny but you're really fun to be around you'll also get the same amount of gigs yeah. as the brilliant unpleasant person <laughs> <laughs> just trying to figure out where to put the slider on the equalizer yeah, at all yeah. times, you know, like I'm trying to be funnier. But, it, but it, nice it, is working pretty well. And yeah. you know what? It is, that's, I think that's, no matter what the business, mm-hmm. people would rather work with people they like mm-hmm. than, you know, somebody yeah. who's going to blow things up and it's going to be revolutionary. I think everybody would just rather work with somebody who's like... Mm-hmm dependable and who nice. shows up on time yeah. and is ready yeah well that's like yeah. I, I come back to this a lot that was my lesson that todd glass taught me where it's like i was his musician during the comedy festival with a very talented but not very nice co musical or whatever musician. Right. yeah and todd was like i don't like this guy's vibe and he was like chris i think you could just do the whole thing yourself and here's a lesson for you like they don't have to be that talented it's better if they're more fun to hang out with. absolutely because this isn't like some high stakes gig. I don't need you to be perfect. I just want you to like fuck around on stage before I get there. Like yeah. pick someone that you want to hang out with instead of this guy that's causing all this tension. And so he's yeah. like, "Do you want me to give him the boot? I'll give him the boot." I'm like, "Thanks, Todd Glass." <laughs> but it's it's absolutely it's so true. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Because I, you're almost never going to be in the circumstance where you need the person who's the best. You know? Yeah. They're like, probably doing their own thing. In yeah. Way. yeah, yeah, and you, so it really is the like being just like professional and like nice to work with, 
Oh my god. It goes a long way. It goes forever. I think about that quite a bit because I mean like I I I I feel like I'm putting more into producing than I am into performing these days uh, cuz I do a I do a monthly show. You've done it. Mm-hmm. You did our first yep. one. We'll have you back. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure, fine. Stage time, whatever. It's for charity. Would you like um, me to take this $20 and just quickly run across the No, street? no, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> just look very pointedly at that empty. Well, I thought it still had a little juice in it. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little gas yeah, in the tank. Yeah, yeah, I thought it had a little juice. Anyway, what I was, all I was going to say is that just that there are those, both of those kinds of people. There are people who are awesome and maybe not all that funny that I really like and want to spend time with. And there are people who I don't like that much, but goddamn, they're funny. Yeah. And I find that if there's enough of those people, like the whole, the ratio of the group is still overwhelmingly pleasant. Yeah. So there isn't that, there aren't that many people I don't want to be around locally, which is really impressive to me because in the music scene, not the same case. There oh, are people God. that were like, oh, you are a horrible person. Get away from me forever. But that's another thing that, like when I, when I said that people don't know how good they have it here. Mm-hmm. That is not typical. No. Especially in a comedy scene. That is not the way it is. Mm-hmm. In this country and in America, uh, it's not to say there aren't wonderful people that are great to be around mm-hmm. in every scene. There are. Mm-hmm. But this scene is disproportionate. Yeah. Like, it really... Overwhelmingly great. Yeah. Cool. Honest, honest to goodness. Like, it, it's... Uh, it's... Uh, like, people here, it's great that people come out to shows, mm-hmm. and that's why it has continued to exist the way that mm-hmm. it has. But at the same time, I do feel like people, they really don't, like and mm-hmm. and that's fine. It's fine if they don't know how good they have it, but they really do have it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly good in this city. So. so good. Yeah. No, it's true. I I very rarely have gone to a show that was not incredible. So uh, and I think that it's yeah. like the the fact that other people are so good more so than it being like really competitive or unfriendly. It, it really inspires people to start writing better stuff. It's because like the yeah. the baseline is quite good. And so you have to stretch yeah. a bit. Yeah, and there's also, I think, uh, other scenes in the world have a, a, a very defined path to success, mm-hmm. and that doesn't exist here. Mm-hmm. That That's the downfall, and I've always told people that. I'm like, you can come here, your act is going to get a thousand times better. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're going to become a better comedian by mm-hmm. living here. And there's numerous people that that is 100% the case. They were from somewhere else. They came here. They got great. Then they went somewhere else. and uh, Which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but Vancouver, I'm like, you're going to get good. You're not going to make a lot of money, though. There's no... Because mm-hmm. there is no path to easy... But, you know, you go to Toronto. You can... If you're a, a comedian with Yuck Yucks, there's a defined kind of tour... A world that exists mm-hmm. out there's already there. a built-in structure that you Absolutely. can like plug yourself into. Yeah. yeah, and there's TV work, and there's aver- You can be a, a you know comedian that books a lot of ads, mm-hmm. and uh, there's always punch-up work and all that kind of stuff. So they, you can make money out there. But mm-hmm. if you, I, I honestly think if you're a comedian in Canada, you want to become a good comedian. Mm-hmm. Vancouver's the place you want to be. That's that, cool. That's not to say that there aren't great comedians in Toronto or Calgary or Winnipeg because there absolutely are. Mm-hmm. And, and Halifax, but I'm like, if you want to just come in and 
you know, do the Rocky montage where you become super strong <laughs> and great. Your, the joking version of punching meat. Yeah, yeah. You want to come punch some meat? Vancouver's the place. You're going to punch some Satan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Come punch some Satan. Or, you know. Some, you, like, roasted chickpeas. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, pow, pow, pow. But, you know, some people like the Kobe beef out here, you know? Yeah. Go tenderize some Kobe beef. Fucking go in a float tank full of kombucha juice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll be good. Yeah. Guys, I think that oh, might be it. That's amazing. That it's our one year. Thank you for being here. Thanks, thanks for having me. I feel a little, I feel a little bit wrung out like a washcloth. <laughs> I knew it was going to be good because I know you're good, uh, but this was beyond. So thank you so much. Oh well, for congratulations on one year. Thank, yeah. thank you. Yeah, good work. Been... Hopefully, we'll be up at nine someday. Yeah, I mean, you just all you have to do is just keep doing it. That's that was always our goal in the yeah. first place. Was like we're gonna start this, and we're gonna do it for at least a year, and then hopefully we'll keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and now there's like so many more people that I want to keep talking to, and then there's so many people that I want to have back. So maybe we'll have you back. In I would love, time. I would love to Great. come back. Um, we need our own version of me Alicia and my Tobin. fancy ring. You know, <laughs> I've been looking at that the whole day and I thinking know. like that belongs on your hand. Yeah. It's perfect. And you know what I wish would make it even better is if it flipped open and you could, like, store secrets A in little it. cocaine. <laughs> store Hello. just a tiny bit Ladies. of old-style cocaine. <laughs> Ladies. A good stuff. <laughs> well, that's um, it for us. Do we need to do plug stuff? or well, just... Listen to Stop Podcasting Yourself and go to the Laugh Gallery at Havana on Monday nights at 9 p.m. And uh, the latest uh, track on our debut album, yeah. You Play Cello On... Which everybody, uh, you know, that's written to us, they love the cello. Oh, that's so nice. They think <laughs> it's it's just such it's just such a nice addition to kind of a sad. It's kind of a sad song. Yeah. And and I think the cello is like the per, it was the perfect touch. It's the most it's, emotional instrument. Yeah, yeah. You you hit that note where just I I listened to the whole episode and was just like. Immediately, you were like, "Yeah, I'm thinking the cello. It's like low. It's kind of sad." Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, thanks for thinking of me and letting me do it because it was actually so fun to record with you guys. Oh well, so. thanks for coming and doing it. it yeah. was, uh, and you did a great job. Thank so. you for the quid pro quo. For being <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>